What if you made more money from your blog than ads and affiliate products in a totally new way? Hi, I'm Jared Krause, and I am the host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast, and I'm speaking with Aisha Priest, who is the founder and owner of The Side Hustle Out and Beyond, as well as five other blogs. Aisha has a great passion for SEO and teaching others how to drive thousands of visitors to their blogs and websites, but she also believes in monetizing using alternative monetization strategies such as workshops and a variety of different digital products. She has a tiny but mighty Instagram community, Aisha Priest, I'll be linking to that in the show notes, uh, where she shares a lot about SEO and blogging tips and all that sort of fun stuff. So in this podcast episode, Aisha and I talk about why she started blogging and trying to make money online and her journey through that, probably similar to mine and yours, and I think it's important to draw some inspiration from it as well. We also talk about her process of making more money through blogs than just ads and affiliate products, how she grows her email list and sells those awesome products that people actually want. And we talk about how she hires writers and her awesome process and how you can do the same for hiring the best writers for any niche. We also talk about why it's better to hire a a certain type of writer than somebody that just knows how to write or SEO in itself. We also talk about how, how often she publishes content, what that actually looks like, and then we talk about how to create topical authority for a content site, which is very important, either for a new site or a site that you actually buy. And then we move on to talking about her experience of buying two of her own websites, which is fascinating. I didn't know this was going to come up in conversation. And then we talk about what she's learned through that. We also talk about the size of businesses and why the size of the business that you purchase matters um, and why she mentioned this and how I give a few examples of risk comparing one size business to another size business and what you should know about that in terms of risk and expect you know, what you expect from that asset if you're going to be the new owner of it as well. We also talk about what she learned throughout due diligence. And that's my that's one thing that I want to mention right here right now is that if you are looking to buy a business, make sure you cut out the guesswork and go away and get our due diligence framework at buyingonlinebusinesses.com forward slash free resources is what I use, is what my clients use. It's helped us save millions of dollars and make millions of dollars through buying online businesses. So it takes the guesswork out so you don't buy a lemon. So make sure you go away and get that. Now let's dive into the episode, which I'm sure you're going to absolutely enjoy. Do you have a website you might want to sell either now or in the future? We have a hungry list of cashed up and trained up buyers that want to buy your content website. If you have a site making over $300 per month and want to sell it, head to buyingonlinebusinesses.co forward slash sell your business or email us at info at buyingonlinebusinesses.com because we will likely have a buyer. Details are in the description. Isha, hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having Did me, Did I Jared? pronounce it correctly this time? Uh, it's Aisha. 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 Yeah. Apologies. Apologies. <laughs> the A is silent. It's confusing. Uh, okay. Aisha. Aisha. You're into blogging and that's why I wanted to get you straight on and have a chat. Tell me, a lot of people are wanting to make money online in MySpace, right? In uh, in buying a business, most of them are looking to buy a blog and they have their own reasons why. 
I got into trying to make money online for my own personal reasons, but I'd love to know from you, why did you, why did you get into blogging? Well, I mean, great question. Um, I think for me, the key value and the reason is freedom, mm. right? Because people throw around this word, like it's a sexy word, but what does it mean in reality? And I did a lot of different types of, uh, you know, my background is corporate banking and law. And I did a, a lot of side hustles apart from blogging, freelance writing, proofreading. But blogging is the one and an online business is the one that is able to give you true freedom in terms of location, time and blogging specifically. You don't actually you're not you don't have to work with people that you don't want to work with. You know what I mean? Like you will have autonomy. And that is so liberating for me. So everybody that is in my life. I've chosen to interact with them and those relationships are more authentic. So ultimately for me, it's been freedom. Ooh, that's awesome. Yeah, freedom. Same reason I got into um, into trying to make money online. I started trying to start businesses. <clears throat> Excuse me, my first uh, ever business I started, online business, was a blog. It was a travel blog. Uh, it was ozglobetrotter.com. No longer a domain anymore, but I've saved a lot of my travel stories. Uh, and... I realized it was just pretty tough. Like I tried to make money super fast. I wasn't patient. Uh, I didn't realize it was going to take years and years and years. And I didn't realize that everybody with an iPhone was going to become my competition really. <laughs> uh, so it was, a, it was a difficult one. And the goal for me, the reason I started blogging and started online businesses is so I could have the same thing as you, freedom. I wanted to get out of my nine to five. I hated it. Absolutely. But the the freedom of you choosing who you want to work with and who you have in your life, that's a really good one. Is that something you consciously decided before blogging or consciously or just, you know, realized it, you know, pre being a blogger? No, I mean, I, I mean, no, I mean, I, I didn't have any experience. I was pretty clueless. I failed a lot. So if anybody's listening and thinking, oh, gosh, you know, Jared has got it all figured out. Maybe I just got it all figured out. Absolutely not. At the beginning, you're grappling. You're just trying to go for anything. And for me, it was, uh, you know, after a conscious decision of t deciding which revenue sources were more passive, more active, and time and energy to me are so precious. We underestimate. We look at the money. We're like, yeah, that's amazing. But what about the time and energy? And over time, I've, I've like, looked at those as real assets. Because, you know, it's limited. You're not going to get your time mm -hmm. back. And so... So after a few kind of maybe negative experiences, I said, why am I doing this? You know, I'm not setting this business up to work more. And so now I'm very conscious, you know, what I say yes to. And so just, you know, shout out to Jared. Like, I really like your podcast and, you know, people get invited all the time, but I've listened to your stuff and our values are the same. You know, you believe in, you know, spending more time with your loved ones. And for me, it's important who you give your time to and, uh, because time is limited. Yeah, spot on. Like, and yeah, thanks for thanks for being an advocate for the podcast. But it's it does come back to hey, you can earn more. You can always earn more money, but you can't earn more time. And you know, I work less, you know, than most billionaires, and work less than people that are earning ten to twenty mil a year. And I am okay with that because I get to do exactly what I want. Like, I came off, uh, I rushed back home this morning. Um, out of the surf and jump straight onto a, onto a phone call and love it. I get to rush from the ocean straight back home and come, come back and chat business. You know, I get to have a really good balance with that. So now what, sorry, you're going to say something. 
I was just going to say that this is something people might experience because no one warned me about this, this conscious decision of it's okay not to earn more because I got quite burnt out at the start of the year and I actually nearly gave up blogging, believe it or not. Not many people know this. Well, they'll know now. It's because I felt like I wasn't doing enough and I was I was feeling very um, inferior, actually. Uh, despite myself growing compared to myself last year, I feel like we have this pressure, especially when you're doing well, to keep on growing the next. And then I had to sit back and say, actually, I don't want that. I mean, I can if, if, I, if I want to earn 20, 30 million or more, become a billionaire, I can. But at what cost? Mm. I mean, I'm, go, I'm, I'm actually going to go cycling in Tanzania and uh, Tuscany awesome. in, in, in June. Yes. But that means my business, obviously I outsource, but you're, if you're not working on your business, and somebody else is, they are going to be further ahead. And that's okay, you know, and it's having that conscious de decision and being okay with it. So good. And knowing that your business is enough with where it's at right now and also deeper, knowing that you are enough, the people listening, you are enough with where you're at right now as well. I'm a big, I'm a big component of less stress. I understand that some stress is good because, you know, under pressure, you know, stones under pressure, you, you know, create gems and stuff like that. But too much of it, things are just going to break. So, yeah, I'm so glad that you brought that up. You don't need to be doing the 100-hour work weeks. Like, it sounds like, you you know, you did a similar thing to me. I got sick. I got glandular fever. I worked too many hours. I had to change my whole business model. Nearly lost it all. Um Wow. <laughs> because I was working, overworking. Uh, and I think a lot of people don't realize that. I got a friend, uh, a really good friend of mine who was going to jump in and work with me on my business. Um, he sold his business on Flipper for a decent amount um, and he got brought back into the business and now he's like stressed and he's like, oh, and he was just literally messaging me just now. I was like, yeah, I've just had a stressful week um, and it's only Wednesday. <laughs> and that's because he's putting so much pressure on himself. <clears throat> I think for me, and I don't know if, if, if anyone here listening can relate, is I didn't come from much money. And so I felt like I didn't deserve to give up in a way like, you know, what if your money runs out? And that's a mindset thing, you know. So I, I felt a lot of pressure, like you're, so, you're, you're lucky enough to be having a successful business. How dare you not want more? How many people would be grateful to be in a situation? But then at what cost, you know, like we do this for more freedom and more happiness. So at what cost is now the question I ask myself before I say yes to something. I say at what cost? Time, love, time with loved ones, my energy, my mental health. So, you know, I think it's having that balance. I'm not afraid to work hard. When it's time to work, I will work. And I like making money. There's no shame yeah. in that. It's okay to yeah. say that. But I'm also now moving towards a model where how can we make this sustainable for the long run, right? Mm, cool. Let's talk about that then. Let's talk about how do you make it sustainable for the long run. So... How many blogs have you got now? Have you got one primary blog? Like what does your sort of portfolio of online businesses look like? Okay, so I have six. I'm growing six blogs. And uh, yeah, I mean, I grew very quick. It happened very quickly. So my first blog, um, after failing for about two, two years, two, three years, suddenly it happened really quick. And, the, you know, and it happens, guys. You know, the, the clouds open up and, oh, you know, it happens. And it's like, oh, my God. Was this the same so, blog that you were working on for two years? It wasn't really doing anything. And then you kept go going. Yeah. And then after two years, you saw results. Okay. So glad I, you mentioned that. I finally learned SEO was what I did, really. <laughs> I learned SEO properly. <laughs> so uh, it, then suddenly all, you know, it started growing. Everything happened at once. And I was like, wow, you know, this is working. Um 
why don't I just replicate this? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a mistake I made. And that's what I'm learning now. It's a learning journey for me. It's like, so I was able to grow my second blog very quickly, got that into Media Vine. Um, third, I have a third, fourth, and now I'm, I'm like looking back. So I'm growing six, I have a team, but now I'm thinking for sustainability, what, what do I want? And so now I'm going to grow them to a certain point and I think I'll offload some assets because I prefer to have less now and have more control. And that's just a journey that I've gone through. Mm, mm, awesome. Yeah, well, when you're ready to offload those assets, let us know. We will buy them. Um, okay. And, uh, you're, or somebody in the community will, will, will buy them um, <clears throat> or just in our audience. So, yeah, let us know. But um, that's awesome. It's really good to set that expectation for, for people to realize, like, you need to do this. This is a long-term game. This is not make money quickly online so even when somebody buys a business and it's already making money they put this expectation on themselves that they're going to double the business within just a year that's a hundred percent growth in one year which is absolutely exceptional especially if it's your first ever online business why put that pressure and stress on yourself would it be so bad if you got 25 percent growth you know and learned some along the way and then realize in four years time maybe you have doubled or tripled the business in four years time can you wait that long can you be patient enough and deal with the ups and downs of business <laughs> to sustain that and win over the long term so i'm so glad that you mentioned that because it really is this whole game of financial independence i guess is a long game right yeah, yeah, yes, and people underestimate, you know, you might hear me say my second blog, I got into Mediavine within 13, 14 months. Mm. But that's because I have the experience of three, four years or failing, yes. right? And so my sixth blog, you know, within a month, it's already getting Google traffic. But that comes from experience. And so if you are people, they compare and they, they beat themselves up. They're like, oh, Aisha's getting Google traffic or Jared's getting Google traffic within a month. That's because we don't have to learn all the things you need to do so you don't fail. And so if you're not getting Google traffic within a month, that's okay. But you, you, like you said, you can buy it. You can buy a site that has good foundations, which will kind of in a way protect you because a lot of new sites fail. Yeah, 90%. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So you got six blogs. Are they all in different niches? Okay, yes. why? Uh, diversification, interest. And so a lot of these are based on my interests. Okay. I like to, I, I personally think you're going to have to be writing a lot about it. You're going to have to be guiding your team to write about it. So I prefer to, I prefer to pick sites that niches that I have a genuine interest in. And also there's good keywords. So I do keyword research. And so I have the three things. So it's, do I have an interest? Is there keyword, low competition keywords? Are there monetization opportunities? This is a big thing for me across the board you know not just as an affiliate there's got to be across the board different monetization for all for the, for the niche and then when it's a yes then i'll go into it cool and so how talking of money how do these make money is it just ads and like media vine or is it portion affiliate uh and then yeah what is it looking like so my first site, because my first site's bigger, it's more, it's my first site's about side hustles and about location independence and beyond. So that has, um, that has a big range. It has ads, affiliates, digital, digital product, a lot of digital products, a lot of courses, eBooks, 
workshops. And so I, I'm not afraid to have some active income, which I know when you sell it, it's, it's harder. But for me, I use some of the active income to fund the site. That's okay, you know, for to content. So for the smaller ones, ads and affiliates, yes, but I'm actually building out digital products for all of them because you're able to monetize traffic much easier because a lot of people are scared about AI. They're scared about what if my traffic goes. And if you don't need that much traffic to make money, you're protecting yourself and you're becoming, it becomes stickier. And so that's why I'm not selling the sites yet because I don't believe in selling something I'm not comfortable buying. And I want the next buyer to be able to have a good site. And so I want to have digital assets and digital products for them, even if they're one or two, so they can take the site and then grow it. And so I'm building digital products for all of them. I love it. Absolutely love it. It's the same same thing that I mention to people as a growth strategy once they have bought a blog is that get on get the email list happening. You don't need to have a big massive authority in this in on your site to sell affiliate products and then once you've got an affiliate product that you can test out and see if you know your audience or your email list actually likes it then you can create that as your own product and make a higher mm-hmm. profit margin you're sort of testing the waters first and you don't need to sell it from your site you can sell it through your email list and as long as you got the email list and that can make the lion's share of the income awesome right you own that it's not going anywhere and you're not susceptible to google algorithm changes or you know competition because you have no com- competing competition you own the own the list right so <clears throat> with your digital products are you selling them mostly off the site or are you doing a bit of a combination with an email list as well so for definitely for my first site email list is has it and I'll be building out um, the email list for all mm. of them. So for now, um, so the the, the 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 process is obviously I start with a product, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say for my sixth site, I think of a product and I decide on the product based on I look at the top top, top ten traffic yes. and I look at on Google Analytics. I'm like, what are what are the most popular posts, right? What are they clicking on? And then I think I take a step back and this is where AI might be able to help you. You might go into ChatGPT and say, what is a good digital product for? <laughs> And then you put, you get some ideas and then you sit down as a human and think, what are my pain points? I close my eyes and say, what are my pain points and how can I solve them with a digital product? So I create the digital product. As soon as you create a digital product, then you create a freebie that's relevant to that digital product because then you're funneling them in, right? So they, they go onto your site. There's a pop-up. Give me a, give me a niche. I'll give you an example. What's a niche? Uh, pickleball. Pickleball. Uh, let's not go let's go with surfing then (laughs) okay so let's just say you have a surfing site right and uh someone's on they're looking at and so someone says uh there's a and the product could be maybe how to you know it could be maybe a little mini course on how you manage to master technique in shorter time or how to um how you find great deals for because surfing costs a lot of money for some people Mm -hmm. right like there's a lot of things or diving for example Mm -hmm. like how did how did you or top um all the or a, an ultimate guide to the best surfing spots in the world and you could give your personal experience yeah, yeah. right like where to go where to book whatever so here's the mini mini course and then you can have a freebie seven common um surfing mistakes that will break your ankle or that that nearly broke my ankle yeah so are we talking create a freebie as in like they have to they still have to give up their email to get that and opt in. And then off the back of that, you have an email marketing campaign to sell them that digital product of how to become a better surfer or 
whatever it is. Totally, yeah. yeah. Or you can have a tripwire, which is a temporary uh, discount. So they sign up to the email list and it's, a, it's relevant. You give them a 50% discount temporarily or they join the email list and then you create a series of emails and say, hey, thank you so much for joining. And then you give them tips every day for seven days. And there's no pressure. You know, for me, it's like if it if you genuinely are providing something that solves their problem, you will not be afraid to offer mm. it. So I don't ever create anything which I wouldn't buy. So I don't, people say, do you feel uncomfortable selling? I didn't, for me, if I genuinely close my eyes and say, what is my pain point? How does this solve it? I don't feel uncomfortable at all recommending it. There's a really good reframe for people that have money hangups around selling stuff is that sometimes there's people out there that have a problem and they're desperate to solve it. And if you don't sell them your product, you're not going to help them and you're doing them a disservice by not creating a product and helping them on their journey so they're not feeling the pain. For example, if I know somebody wants to become a better surfer and they're looking at my site and I know that I've got a course in me that is going to make them a better surfer in two years rather than it take them 20 years, I'm doing them a disservice by not creating that product and selling it to them. That that is correct, true, and I just went off tangent there. Okay, I'll, I'll deal with that later. I think that um, people need quick solutions to problems, mm-hmm. right? And you sometimes we think, well, how am I qualified to even teach that? You're writing a blog on it. You ha- you're surfing. You're a surfer, and you know not everybody. You know, it's a way for you, somebody across the world, to get access to it. At a, at a digital product can be priced much lower than an in person product right and so in a way like not only are you solving the problem but you're solving it at a price point that could actually be a lot more affordable to most places they would go to correct correct would you the way i look at it and this is something that i had to from not coming from from wealthy that we had four kids in our family and and me becoming a plumber i had to and being very tight when i would travel and stuff like that i had to recondition myself to be okay spending money um and there's a lot of people that didn't have that like me and now i'm in a position where i am happy spending my money if it's going to make things make my journey easier less stressful and i can Mm -hmm. achieve the result a lot faster and that's why you know people invest in mentors that's why people invest in programs that's why people do these things is because they're prepared to part with their money to make their journey better and become better at something a lot faster and why why wouldn't you like i'm all about that <laughs> i mean if you think about it like you if you want to improve your body you go to the gym right and so why would we not invest in our mind mm-hmm. so your mind is the single biggest thing that's going to make you money like i have to say i take a course i implement it i make more money so for me once i realized that okay if i want to get if i want to be fitter i get a personal trainer or i go to the gym but the way I'm going to improve my mind is not not scrolling on Instagram, looking at watching crappy trash TV or whatever. Okay, if you want to switch off, you can, but be strategic about it. It's like, here, I want to get here. Here's where I am. Somebody, somebody here, something here, a course or a person can get me there. Pay them, then you're there, then you're making that money. Exactly. Spot on. So you work out which may be the best products that people are interested in based on the data of what's already working really well on your site and then you create that it's really really good 
Tell me about SEO. You said you were blogging and then for two years and then you found out what SEO is. What were the what were some of the things that you implemented on your blogs or this this primary blog uh, when you realized SEO was a thing? Like what are the some of the things that you started to put in place? Okay. So Firstly, we need to have a good foundation. You could have the best keyword in the world. You could have the best content. But if your site is slow, am I allowed to swear on this? Can I say no? Okay. If, if your site's crappy, I was going to say S yeah. If your yeah. site, <laughs> if you have an ugly site that's slow, um, there's bad user experience, you could have the best content in the world and it won't help. So start, step one, get yourself a lightweight theme like Cadence, Astra, Generate Press, a Genesis, any one of those are fine. And then make sure you have a good host that will load your site in less than three to four seconds. Mm -hmm. That's step mm -hmm. one. So you're kind of like, imagine you're, you're basically, think of a house, your foundation needs to be strong, right? And so then number two is when I, it depends, right? If it's a new site, it's different to, if it's an old site, you need to immediately fix the content. And that's what I did. So I went in, I looked at the content and I found a keyword, you're gonna find, find a good SEO keyword, a low competition keyword, and then I optimize them. So if you're buying an existing site, that's what I would do. Do a content audit, go through all the content, and you will get the biggest results doing that because you are, you've already, you, Google already trusts you, it's an existing site, so you just need to make the content more useful and then get it to more traffic. And for me, if it's a new site, I would, again, I would find low, low competition keywords, but I always um, write content in clusters. And this is a big mistake a lot of newbies make is they write about separate topics. Mm. Now, topical authority is so important for Google because, you know, if you want if you want to go up against these big sites, how do you show you're an expert? By having topical authority and writing many topics about one particular area. And when you do that, like my sixth site, that's what I did. Uh, you know, for example, if you have a surfing site, Give me, give me an area of surfing. Give me, like, you, 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 you have experience, Jared. Give me some area of, of surfing. Um, just, yeah, technique. Let's talk about technique. Yeah, certain technique, yeah. right? There's, you know, or, or surfboards. Like, should, can I wax my surfboard? Can my surfboard do this? Can my surfboard do yeah. that? It's all to do with surfboards, yeah. right? Um, and so, like, write a topical cluster, and you will see that you will get results much faster. Yeah, yeah. Because... <clears throat> I guess it's good to explain why you get results much faster is when you create a cluster of content. And the way I think about it is that if, you, if there's somebody that's starting to learn to surf and they go, oh, I need a surfboard and I know nothing about surfboards and then they come to that cluster or they come to one starting point, like what's the best surfboard for a beginner? What's the best fins, leg rope? What wax should I use? How big should it be? How small should it be? What sort of ways am I going to be surfing? All these different uh, articles and pieces of content that you should that should create that cluster is you're covering each and every single area on that topic for a beginner who wants their first ever surfboard. And then it's not only great for the user, because the user can be like, oh, cool, I've got all the content right here on this site in that cluster. But Google says, okay, cool, you have carved out a linear process and step-by-step -step of what it would take somebody to go from, I want to learn to surf to having a beginner board that's exactly right for me in the right type of waves. Google's going to see, cool, you've nailed it. You've covered it. You've covered it in each detailed step-by-step -step process more than other people. 
you're you've you we're going to grant you the authority on those particular pieces of content and rank you higher which gets you more traffic and the end goal more money yeah what jared said yep exactly <laughs> that <laughs> i like the um i like the idea of the content clustering when you buy a site when you say for example you were going to go and buy a site and you could see that right they've got like four main categories would you how would you go and define what content is not yet touched or covered in each of those clusters that you that you could so, use to create more topical authority and then help the site i don't know if i've misunderstood your question and if i answer this wrong tell me so i bought i bought two sites actually oh. so my my fifth my fifth site is a site I bought and I'm flipping that at the moment. So so the exact process that I'm going through <clears throat> to improve the traffic, and it's working because the traffic's increasing, is so I basically go into Google Search Console, right? And in Google Search Console, you can see the topics that are already getting traffic. There will be a trend. So anybody listen to this, go into your search console, you will see there are certain things which Google thinks you are an expert on. There will be a few articles you're like, huh? Like, for example, um, I had a student the other day that was, you know, Bible studies, for example. Bible versus four, that was a cluster, you know? There's still many other topics on the site, but Bible versus was a cluster. So what you need to do, and this is what I'm doing for my fifth site, and I did this, was I doubled down on that, so on that particular topic. I went into my keyword research tool, found low competition keywords in that area, and within a month, and an interlink with the existing and the old and the new, and then suddenly the traffic increased because you're giving Google things he already likes and thinks you're an authority on. Did that answer your question? Was that something you were asking? Yeah, me? I was just thinking about <clears throat> what, you know, if you buy a site, people are like, what sort of content should I create to grow this site? In, and it's what's not already covered to create good topic authority in that particular category. And you could take, you know, you could take that category and put and get a lot of the keywords from Answer the Public and a lot of different, you know, you do your keyword research on SEMrush, Ahrefs, and whatever it is, and then find what you ha what has been covered on the site, what hasn't been covered, and then target what hasn't been covered to fill that in or merge some of the old content into the new ones. Um, to yeah, yeah, I want to yeah. So go on. Uh, Google Search Console gives you queries also that you haven't covered. So if you go into Google Search Console on that article, you can click on queries. There will also be topics where you have high impressions, mm -hmm. but you haven't written about it. So that's a really great way. Or you take your competition and you put their keyword in a search and look at what they're ranking for and write something better. So good. Publishing, let's talk about frequency of, the, of publishing. Like how often are you publishing? Uh, well, first, maybe maybe we talk about team. Let's talk about team before how frequent, frequently you publish because that might be a more linear uh, process. When you build a site or you're working on a site, at what stage do you hire, start hiring team and writers and who's the first person to hire, why, and yet? So I, I happen to uh, – this my hiring process happened by, in a way, luck because I – my background before, like I said, I tried many freelance jobs and I, I was a freelance writer. And so a lot of my workshops are how to become an online teacher, how to become a proofreader. This is, I teach workshops on this because my site's on side hustles. I have courses on it. And so I wanted to give my 
my students an opportunity to have a portfolio. No one wants to hire a writer with no experience. And so I actually set up my second site. So it was a portfolio for them. So they would write for the site and they could then show clients that they wrote. But I think now, let's say if, if I didn't go through that process, I think when you're getting to a point where, you know, you want, you want, you can, you're feeling tired, you know that you can grow further and you're getting in your own way. Right. And so I've, I, my hiring process is a bit different. Some people, they go on Upwork and they just hire experienced people. I prefer to train my team myself. I, I do it this way. I am active on Instagram. I have a small beauty, beautiful, mighty Instagram community. And I say, all right, guys, I have a writing workshop coming up. Um, here's the ticket prices. And, and they come to my writing workshop. And I say that writing workshop guarantees you an opportunity to pitch to me. So then they would pitch to me. And then I have Loom videos sharing how to write. I, I, I train them up. And so they come into the workshop, they pay for the ticket, they pitch to me, they get trained up from scratch, no experience to become my writers. And the best writers then write for me. And so from my writers, I only hire VA, PV, Pinterest VA. Um, I only hire people from my writing team because they know the foundation. And so I build my team from writers. Okay. <clears throat> so writers are the first people that you hire. Yeah, yep. cool. The content's your product, right? Yeah. That's the most important thing. Yeah, yeah, I love it. That is an amazing process. Everybody listening, they're not going to be able to use that actual process unless, you know, you have a writing, you know, you, your niche is about writing. Uh, what I suggest people do, you, you think otherwise? So, for example, let's just say you – you if you have an instagram right there's so many people that want to earn extra money right so let's say you have a totally small less than thousand followers or twitter what whatever my, so say, say, let's just say so let's say say we stay with surfing um yeah say i've got an i've just bought a website and it's about surfing and i've got a surfing instagram account and i need a writer right guaranteed there's people in the surfing community that want to earn extra money because they want to surf more love right? it so you say hey guys I want to, I want to, who want? does anybody here want to get trained up to earn extra money remotely? I will give you the full training and you will get paid to write about things you love anyway. And they already know Trust the space, yeah. Good. Exactly. And you will get also, you can, you can ask them to include their original photos. So you're, you're in a way you are rewarding your community. I have to say, start with your community, give them, give back. They're there supporting yeah. you, right? So why don't you spend on them? So say to them, if anybody wants to learn a bit of extra money, want to write about, get paid to write what you love, I'm running a workshop. I, I will train you. You have no experience writing, no problem. And then you take it from there. Mm. If, if that's A or B, if you're not comfortable doing that, fine, go on Upwork, go on those other platforms. But then you, you would still, you would cut out that process of calling people for a workshop, that, but you would have the videos, right? Yeah, you have the new, have I have new videos. Yeah. Say. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, whenever I hire somebody, I don't train them. I've already got training already set up. So basically they go through a whole course. They understand the brand. They understand what's what done looks like and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so that is just a guys, if you didn't, if you're not going to tap into this, tap into this now, reach out to your audience already because not only are you going to get better writers because the writers are in the space, they understand the lingo, the language, they're going through the process themselves they're going to be able to write for people that want to read about your content. Also, they have authority, which you can use, which Google wants, 
writers writing about the space that are already in the space that have some level of authority because they've already been through it or they're going through it and you can promote that on your site as well so this is a a, i really like you sharing that (laughs) Uh, yeah i mean i think i think people get overwhelmed because they say oh well it's going to take a lot of time to train them or can people who have no experience be trained up and the answer is yes because the, the, the hard part is having that authority and knowledge. The easy yeah. part is teaching them the skills. Yeah, you don't need to be a te- you don't need to be an experienced writer to write good content because blog content needs to be very easy to read, basic. You can teach that and you can just share them share with the first few time will be pain, painful. After that it's easy. The the rare hard part is getting that experience and someone to care about the niche. Mm. Yeah, you're better off hiring somebody that loves the space and then teaching and then guiding and putting some guardrails up for them. And those guardrails are like, oh, this is what we need. Just a couple of things here for SEO and break it up this way and do it that way and and you're away, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. cool. So how regularly do you try and publish content? Are you going for just as much as you can, as quickly as you can? Are you have a lot of quality assurance put in place and you just prefer to pay them a higher, higher price for per article and, you know, maybe just release – uh, a few of them per month. What does it look so, like for you? So, you know, like I always say, I'm on a journey, so it's a learning curve for me. So I started by building up my sites quickly, and it was like a lot of content. Um, but because in terms of quality, I'm very lucky because, you know, I hire people from my community, and my editor is from the writers. So in terms of quality, it's there. Anybody that doesn't meet, meet the quality requirement, unfortunately, we just don't work with them. So we train them up, and then... In terms of quality, I'm okay with 80%. That's number one. I'm okay with 80% done. Um, but now, you know, so I I, 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 type, I like publishing bulk. So let's just say I order 180 articles across six sites, and then I won't publish for three months. But then I recently paused new content so I could do an optimization process for my first site because optimization is equally important. So I paused it, and now I'm finishing my optimization, and then I'll have another round of, publishing new content but I am moving towards a model where I want less sites but more quality because I believe that with the rise of AI with the rise of the way that I mean I could be completely wrong and you you might listen to this and say oh Aisha doesn't know what you're talking about you know but I think that to run this business sustainably you're going to need to build a brand right and so we're talking about social profiles we're talking about original photos and to operate at that level and have six sites, for me, I don't have that capacity. And so I prefer to have less, but do it well and build out assets such as Pinterest, social media, email list. And I think doing it that way means I don't need as much content. Mm-hmm. I can rely on other assets. Yeah, <clears throat> well, I totally agree with that. Is And that's a really hard thing, hard pill for people to swallow in the in the content space. A lot of people like, I want to buy a content site, I want to buy a blog, and I just want to be behind the laptop, and I don't want to be seen. And they have this Mm. this feeling like for it to be built in a brand that they need to become they need to become the brand. When the reality is, no, the brand is built out of the philosophies, the morals, and the ethics that that business and company has, and your writers can become the brand. And the, it can become a standalone brand in in of itself, rather than you having some personal dependency or personal brand dependency. And you can still hide behind the laptop, but you just manage the team and create an amazing brand that people absolutely love. And 
I am so with you on the less assets, more concentrated and providing a better service to that particular vertical that you're going down. Uh, and yeah, you can have less content and more of an authority and you will do better because you're everywhere. People just feel like you're just everywhere. And um, that trust comes from other pieces of content, other things that they've seen from you in different platforms, Pinterest, socials, all that sort of stuff. And they come and read the piece of content. They're going to get a lot more value and authority from it just from the perception they have about you from other platforms. Um, yeah. The, the fear that people have about showing their face, I think that's valid and I understand that. And the way that you could get around that is, as you said, get your writers or show the activity you're doing, right? And so, for example, if you have a sewing site and you know, you're an introvert, you don't want to show your face, no problem. Make sure you have lots of pictures of your hands, you know, showing sewing. And you can basically, in your Instagram, you can have photos of your designs. As long as you're showing that you're a real person, working on on the on the in the niche right so surfing you don't have to show your face you could just have a video of you surfing but turned away right so it's like you don't necessarily have to be constantly in the camera but show the activity you're doing to show authority yeah yeah and you don't have to do like I, i'm not a big advocate of people only buying a business that they're passionate about i think that's a double-edged sword it can be good but mm -hmm. why not build something that they understand they like and you can hire writers that love the space and help help you know build them up on a platform and they can be in front of the camera if they want you know like can still be not seen <laughs> but heard and even make a bigger impact even still i want to touch on the assets the businesses that you've bought so where did you buy these two sites from um where did I buy them? Uh, well, do you, do you want me to share that? Yeah, well, <laughs> why not? Like, you don't have to share the person if, if it was a private sale, but like if you if you bought them from different marketplaces or whatever it is, like share. Uh, I bought I bought both of them from, um, they're called Niche Investor now. Yes. I think you've interviewed Chelsea. Yes, I have yeah. interviewed Chelsea. Yeah, so Chelsea Clark used to own... Uh, blogsforsale.co turned into nicheinvestor.com now. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I I I look I, I look back and I wanted to get that experience. And so I would do things differently now. I think with more experience, I mean I think it's a great way to get your your because the great thing about um, niche investor is you get a lot of starter sites and she also sells established sites. Now I think I would buy more established sites. More established, you'd buy more established sites? Exactly, yes. I would. Why? <laughs> I think based on personal experience, I think, but I don't, I don't regret buying starter sites because if I didn't buy it, I wouldn't learn. Mm -hmm. But I feel like when you buy a starter site, they, there's still no guarantee. There's no track record of success, right? And so if you buy a starter site, maybe you might shortcut because there's content, but then how good is the content? What if it's written by AI? Right. So there's a lot of things that it hasn't proved itself. Whereas, um, I mean, the fifth site I'm working on is great. I'm, I bought that from Niche Invest and I'm really happy with that because that had original photos. It was, it's a, it's a great site, mm. but I feel now I would rather, I'm saving up now, actually I'm saving up and I'd rather invest in a bigger site. And then I don't need to do so much work because 
the fifth site, I had to go in and I had to do, I had to change the theme. I had to do a lot of groundwork when actually my expertise is better on a bigger site because then I can just grow it much faster. And that's personal experience, guys. <laughs> you know, Jared goes on about this, right? But it's like, he said, buy established sites. And now with that experience, I say, okay, now I've, I've gone through that. I would rather now save up and buy a, a more established site. Oh, absolute music to my ears. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. And yeah, size matters. Like size actually matters. And I am recording, a, I, I was just speaking to somebody about this before in, in a coaching call. <clears throat> I'm going to record my first solo podcast in a long time on size matters and hash out some linear pathways on what it looks like to buy a site under a certain price and then above a certain price and what it looks like for you as the investor and resources that you can use, how much resources come from the business and how you can reinvest into the business and how you may not even need to be an expert in certain areas and how you can hire experts without it being too much mm. stress and pressure. And there is a caveat, of course, right? Some people you know, I bought my first site for 15 grand. Some people are there and they need to buy sites around that price range, you know, the 10 grand price range. Uh, but it's, it's, it is a fair bit of work, like you mentioned. So I'm just glad that you mentioned that. Um, what did you learn through the due diligence process, through the purchasing, just through the purchasing process alone? I think that due diligence is on you. Mm. I think that it's your money. Mm. So you have a responsibility. You can't blame anybody if you buy a bad site because that's on you. It's your money. It's your investment. And so, you know, it's, it's in your best interest to find, to dig deep. So when, if, you know, you look at the content, number one, don't be pressured into a sale. Number one, like, especially when it comes to money, if, if you, if you're not sure about it, take a step back. Number two is, Take the time to look at the content because on the surface, content might be great. But if you dig deep, you run it through an AI checker, run it through a duplicate, duplicate content plagiarism checker, because these might be things which might come up, which you may not check if you're under pressure, right? And so for me, it's the responsibilities on me and the broker can do as much as they can. And the site that I, the fifth site I bought is, is wonderful, you know, but the, the income that you need to check, the due diligence, you need to dig deep. Don't be afraid to ask and, and show ask for proof for, for financials and because it's your money. And so for me, it's kind of like, okay, so here are the facts. Now let's dig deeper. Financials, which affiliate program? Show me the proof of the affiliate program. Let, let me have a look into it. Um, maybe you do a screen recording. If you're saying this is the income, this is, this is what they're getting. And another one for me is, is content. But again, in terms of when you're saying a more established site, an established site has weathered a Google update, right? So you are actually protecting yourself from risk because like out and beyond, um, at some point we will get hit. If you haven't got hit, fair play to you. But if you're publishing the content at the bulk that, that I am, you will get hit at some point. So if you've been hit, don't be ashamed. Don't feel scared. It happens. It's okay. You can recover. I've recovered from multiple updates. Out and beyond now has gone through updates. We've recovered. We've recovered. So if someone buys out and beyond one day, they know it's a strong site that can weather Google updates and recover. But if you get a new site, you don't know. That's a huge risk. Your money can go from 30,000, you know, however much you spend, like 5,000 to zero the next day. And so you're protecting yourself when you buy a more established site. Um, 
Do you want to just become the host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast? <laughs> <laughs> You're just that's that's perfect. You're doing my job too good. <laughs> I love it. No, I, I think it's like, you know, you learn from experience, you know, like sometimes I'm like, oh, maybe I should have waited. But I think this is important for me to share. Like it's easy for me to be like, yeah, everything's perfect. I'm great. But I think if I share, like this, this stuff happens, guys. Yeah. But if you don't take action, if you don't learn, you don't fail, you don't, you don't learn and you don't, you can't come into podcast and say, don't do what I did. Listen to Jared, you know? Yeah. If you don't, if you don't, yeah. It's the failing thing, like be okay with failing, be happy about failing. It's like, if you fail, you're gonna, you, you can learn from those if you allow yourself to, if you're not bitter about it. Um, and that's what you're here to do. That's all we ever do is just learn and learn and learn and learn. The more that you learn, the better results you can get. So um, how many how many sites did you look at before you decided to buy, you know, buy one? Uh, not enough. So <laughs> I, like I said, I went in blind. Like yeah. I, I, yeah. and I figured because it was a smaller investment, um, it was, I was like, oh, it's less of a risk. But that's not true at all, right? More. Because it's not only the money investment; it's a time investment that you have to do later. It's more of a risk. Think about exactly. it this way: <clears throat> a a $5,000 site stacked up to a $50,000 site. A $5,000 site is 10 times is it it's 10 times less established. Which typically means and this is all general stuff. Uh, it's 10 times more risky. 10 times more work, 10 times more effort and makes 10 times less than the 50k site as well. Mm. So it's it's something that's so damn important, and I'm not saying people like stop stop saving um, at five grand and just buy something, um, or wait until you get to fifty grand. Start with where you are comfortable, uh, because it's the same goes for a fifty k site versus a five hundred k site as well. Like you've at some stage you need to get into the market, but it's very important to understand that yeah, like. The, it's going for a smaller asset is 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 far more risky. It's it's like in real estate if you're going to buy a a hut, right, uh, and it costs you fifteen thousand dollars to buy a, a a thatch roof hut in you know the jungle or by the beach, uh, and then you go away and you buy a brick building, which one has more risk of the storm, right? Maybe you couldn't hmm. buy a brick building with the money that you have. So when a storm comes along with like Google, gone. Like your thatched roof building is is gonna get smashed uh, if it's a big storm. And that's a very general uh, example, but yeah, it's 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 something for, that's really important for people to understand when they're investing in these assets. What would you say is a a safe number? Like to say say you say I'm saving for a site, and you say Aisha. This amount, no, you know, no one's holding it against you. Generally, generally, around this figure, it's less risky, but you still need to do the work. What is that figure? It's, it's there is. I can't give you an answer because it, everybody's personal situation is different, and financial situation is different. Some people might have two hundred k. Some people might have twenty thousand dollars, and the. And what's right for somebody that has twenty thousand dollars will be different to somebody that's right for two for two hundred k. So 
yeah, I, I, it's, it's a very personal and if people are wanting to know this, then you can reach out to me. Um, this is what I help people find out through our program, but it's, it's, I don't want to just let that go on the podcast because it's somebody will like literally people take what I say sometimes as absolute gospel and it's like, Oh, Mm. that's right. He said this, that's what I need to do for me and my own personal situation when, and they disregard like all the other things that they got going on in in their own life. And um, so, Mm. yeah, it's a, I'd love to give that an answer out, but I do typically say don't buy anything under the $10,000 price range, unless you want to really work super damn hard and, and, Mm. and be in this path, you know, be on that, working on that site for many, many years before you start to see a decent return. Um, there are people that teach people that buy sites under the $10,000 price range. I've helped people do that um, as long as they know what they're getting into. Um, so I'm not turning away those people. Uh, but you're in, you're, in a, you're in a different journey than, than buying um, assets above that. I mean, I think that's a pretty good guideline, right? Mm. Like I think over, over 10 and then that's up to you according to your own due diligence, your own personal circumstances. That's helpful. Yeah. My thing is I just – I want to work with people that really love the experience they have working with me. And Mm. I know that the smaller asset that they purchase, the harder it is, which can cause, and it's not my responsibility to take on and I don't take it on, but I would like to set myself up for success in a way that they don't create resentment around me saying, go and buy something for $3,000 and you'll be rich. (laughs) Mm. Right. I just like to, I'm the opposite. I'm the opposite of what most people um, say in the make money online space of like you can become a gazillionaire in 4.3 seconds if you just buy this $2,000 domain name and build a site on it, <laughs> which is not true. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people underestimate the mental cost of, of how much time and energy it takes to get a site to become successful if you don't have experience, you know, because there's a lot to learn. Yeah. And there's a lot of, of like, okay, what, a lot of kind of what, how to protect it from going wrong. This, you know, you, you need to actually learn how to, the technical side of actually logging into your site and figuring out how to do things. So if you're total, talking about a beginner, right, then it's just like, okay, SEO, Pinterest, email marketing, all these things are, that's, it's heavy, you know? So my, my thoughts on that is actually one step at a time. You don't have to learn it all and take your time and build, build, build and diversify. I didn't learn all this at once. I learn one thing at a time and you will get there. Yeah. Oh, I love it. What a beautiful way to wrap up the podcast episode. Isha, thank you so much for coming on. Did I get it? Did I get the pronunciation correctly then? It's Aisha. Aisha. <laughs> Aisha. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, I'm going to be putting some links to some things that you have, Aisha, on the seven-step strategy for your first affiliate sale um, and then also seven common blog mistakes that – you know, it can cost you time and money. And then also there's going to be a link to your Instagram account because you have an awesome Instagram account. So guys, check that out. Is there anywhere else that we should be sending people or or start there? Uh, start on Instagram. I, I say like, as, unless you're a total weirdo that wants to send me feed pics, I always reply to DMs. So I want to connect with my audience. I'm here to help. I, I send voice notes. So come to me and say hi on Instagram. And also on, on, I send emails every week. Those two freebies will help you monetize your site quite quick. And then every week I send emails, but those are the two ways. And come say hi on Instagram. I always reply. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. Everybody that is listening, thank you for listening. I typically don't ask you guys to subscribe or anything like that, and I'm not going to force that down your throat either. But what I would suggest is sharing this podcast episode with somebody that either wants to buy an online business 
or has an online business and wants to grow, there's so much in this that we both talked about that is going to be so damn valuable. So do the gift of giving and share this with somebody. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, everybody.